The fashion journalist G. Bruce Boyer once wrote, Real style is never right or wrong. It's a matter of being yourself on purpose. Well, my guest today on the program proves that to be very true indeed. Her aesthetic is singular and distinct, and her music is very much the same. You're about to meet an artist who is truly herself on purpose, and as a result, she's an absolute joy. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Are you under the assumption while surrounded by dysfunction that this is the best it can be? By relinquishing our power, we have basically allowed the corruption of society. You caught the apathy blues, you took one look at the news, and you learned to get used to what you see. Yes, they are counting on you to not care what they do. So pay attention if you want to be free. is the music of my guest today on the program, Ashley Virginia. Let me tell you a little bit about Ashley Virginia. Now, I know that I'm not one to talk about fashion because I still wear my ripped Violent Femmes t-shirt from 1989. Yes, it's impressive it's lasted this long, but it's not that impressive that I'm still wearing it. I'm 51, for God's sakes. However, in spite of my own lame sartorial choices, I can recognize the good choices that are made out there in the world. And Ashley Virginia, she's made all the right choices. The North Carolina-born singer-songwriter's style falls somewhere between 70s country cool and West Coast cosmic Americana. Imagine if Stevie Nicks and Graham Parsons had ever had a daughter. I think it's safe to say she probably would have turned out looking like Ashley Virginia. But fashion aside, Ashley's music is as cosmic as her clothing, an arresting blend of indie folk, experimental country, and 60s pop. Her debut album, And Life Just Goes On Living, is a stirring first effort that marks the arrival of a major talent. Her voice is rich and emotive. Her lyrics, heartfelt and honest. And her songs brave and bold. From being tear-gassed by Raleigh police during a peaceful assembly during the George Floyd protests to her own mental health, Ashley Virginia presents the unvarnished truth of the world and the human soul, all seen through the eyes of her cosmic cowboy cool. And I can't wait for you to meet her. So here we go, me and Ashley Virginia having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers the podcast.
sister is getting married in July, and um, bless her heart, she actually tore her ACL uh, like three weeks ago. And the way she, so she'll probably, she just had surgery on Monday um, and is recovering and will probably be able to walk down the aisle just with like a, a brace on. But the way that she tore her ACL, uh, she was attending a wedding and dancing and doing the wobble and wobble, like jumped and like tore her ACL doing the, the wobble. Oh my God. Wedding. Uh, so bless her heart. What is the wobble? Should I know what that is? Yeah, it's, it's like a dance song. It's like um, wobble. I, I'm not going to attempt to, to <laughs> uh, recreate it for you in this yeah. moment. Um, but, you know, it's got instructions. You jump forward, jump backwards, like then like do steps, um, kind of like the electric slide, but. Okay. Your poor sister. So she must, are her spirits okay? Yeah, she, um, she's been in good spirits about it. Nonetheless. Um, I think, I think she thought she thinks it's pretty funny, you know, uh, just, just, uh, she was talking to the, she told me she was talking to her doctor and they were like, don't worry, we've got you hooked up with a great surgeon who, uh, you know, takes care of professional athletes and swimmers. And, and she was like, have they ever dealt with a wobble based injury? <laughs> It's just, oh. yeah, and, and all of the, you know, like now she's wobbling all the time and just making, I, she's making the best of it. And she's got a good folks around her taking care of her. So I guess she has a good story for the rest of her life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely would say so. Are you one of those people that can take a, a seemingly negative thing? and turn it into something positive or does that take time to get there? I think for me, it takes a little bit of time, um, especially if it's something that like affects, I, I guess it would be depending on the situation, but I think the general pattern of things for me is it takes a little bit of time for me to uh, be able to turn it around. I usually end up making music out of it, channeling it into my creative process. And so then it ends up being good in the long run, but it's, it's a fight to get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was it always that way for you? Because I'm a writer and I always found that when things did not go my way, you know, high school, whatever, I mm -hmm. went straight to the page. I went straight, grabbed my pen and that was what I did. And, yeah. and that made everything better. Has it always been that way for you? Was music always the channel? I would say so. Um, you know, I've been writing songs since like the eighth grade. Mm. So um, okay. that, that's just been what I, what, how I reflect on things, um, like writing songs, singing songs that other people have written. Uh, you know, music, I think, has a way of expressing things that like you can't in other, other ways. Um, and I somehow, you know, by like sitting down and trying to create lyrics and poetry, you know, you're able to, I don't know, reveal messages to yourself that, and express things that I don't know how to say otherwise. Yeah. And there's a weird moment. I remember this happened to me in college where, you know, you're, you're, you're seldom like thrilled with the art that you produce instantly, you know, especially when you're younger, but yeah. I wrote something after a heartbreak and I was really happy with it. I thought this is really 
good, right? For the first time, I actually thought, this is actually a really powerful piece for me. This did what I wanted it to do. And I remember thinking like, if I, if the girl didn't break my heart and I was still with her, I wouldn't have this poem. Right. I remember thinking to myself, I think I'd rather have the poem. Right. <laughs> I like right. to. It's better to have loved and lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, right. That's definitely a, um, like a common thought process. It's, it's a nice way of, of looking back on it, you know, trying not to live with any sort of regret. Uh, just you make art out of it and you, you move forward. The idea that you can be upset about something and then translate it into something musical and yeah. then think like, oh, that was worth, that was worth the transaction. Do, do yeah. you feel that way about, about your music? Um, like, I wouldn't say like, I, I, I try not to glorify it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to like suffer for the sake of making art, you know, right. but it, it's, I, I, I definitely, you know, I'm grateful for the the lessons that life has brought me, even if it's through pain. Um, you know, I wish I could have learned it another way sometimes. Right. But, right. But like, I wish a lot of things, and, and uh, so yeah, it, it's just, it is what it is. Don't don't have regrets about about what brought you to here. You know, you have to be looking forward on the journey and then channeling that. When you are, because you mentioned you work, when you're at work, is it hard to keep your mind off of music and hard not to think about your your other career? Um, so I actually work within, uh, I work for a festival, like a music festival. So um, so no matter what, I'm always like thinking about music and yeah. it's, I, I handle the artist relations for, for their festival and um, that's really great because my nine to five day job, I'm, I feel like I'm like studying the other end of, of what I'm, what I want to do. Um, so I, I know how the booking process works really well. I, I'm, I'm working with an artist and I'm, I'm going through their contract and okay, like I see mm -hmm. what you, I see what you're doing there. Um, and it's just helped me kind of learn about the process. And so, and my office is really sweet and chill. And so, I'll just have headphones in and listening to music while I'm working. And, you know, sometimes I'll, if, if an idea comes, I, I have a song uh, that I, I can't remember which one, but I, I have a song that I wrote, I think, I, and a tune came to my head and I just like walked outside for a second and just like sang the little idea into voice memos and then, uh, then went back to work. And, and so it, it's, it, I am very, very, very lucky that I have a nine to five that is actually enjoyable yeah. and uh, complements my passions as well. Yeah, very few people say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I'm a big advocate for, for the, like, for the day job, you know, because if you can find something that you can tolerate doing, then you don't have to worry about, you know, monetizing your art so much. And it, yeah. it, it you, I, I own it, you know, I, I'm not, I have something else that sustains me. And as long as it's supporting what I'm doing, if there's a way that I can support my life without having to sell myself all the time, then that's, that's, that's what we're going for. Yeah. That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because if there was no nine to five and it really was, 
just your art that was putting groceries on the table, I would imagine that the pressure would be, would be, especially during COVID. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, right? I have uh, just friends that, that works solely by gigging. Um, and it was a tough year for a lot of people who are, you know, artists are often independent contractors and, and, you know, there's, it, it, I know last year was really hard for a lot of folks and I lost my train of thought, but yeah. But during, I mean, during COVID people who really were just, you know, were relying on music for, for their living. Right. I, right. I thought came back. Um, it was that, you know, if, if I am relying on that for, for my soul living, you know, at, at a certain level, um, then I may have to take gigs that I don't want to. I may have, uh, I may have to make artistic compromises to, to make a buck. And, and so, you know, at least while I'm starting out, uh, uh, that's totally okay that I'm not making all of my money on it. Yeah. So a gig that you wouldn't want, would that be sort of, would it boil down to geography? Well, no, I more like, you know, playing at a bar, singing top 40 covers, you know, mm. not, like I'm really only interested in playing my original music and playing um, th like covers that I really enjoy, which of like songs that I like to play, you know, which may not necessarily be the the top 40 radio hits that that folks mm. want to hear when you're I don't want to just have to entertain people. I want to make art. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. There, there's so much. I, I love your music and I love your aesthetic. And I really think what's so interesting about you, there's a lot that's interesting about you, but what's so interesting to me is that people are gonna want to check a box and go, she's like this. And I feel like with you, you can't do that. You know, mm -hmm. I think I think you've you've figured out a way to sort of slip between the boxes where you can check like almost 20 of them. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable how you've done that because it's not easy and, um, it's just excellent in terms of marketing because you're so permeable in the sense that you can, you can fit so many different, different places. Um, can you talk a little bit about your, just the visual aesthetic, because it's so fascinating to me how you've arrived at what you've arrived at. And it's just so cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, I got, I mean, I'm very inspired by, um, you know, vintage uh, eras. I always have been uh, since I was little. And I, a lot of that came from, from my mother uh, who, you know, growing up, she saved all of her clothes from the 70s and 80s. And then when I got old enough and I fit them, she handed them down to me. And, and so I, I and I could pull up a picture of my mom, uh, and I look like a clone of my mother in, in the 1970s. Um, so I, she really inspires me, uh, in part. I think that's where the love of it came from. It's also um, just that era, um, I think, was probably a lot simpler, you know, not having all of the technology and the analog way of connecting and I, I really long for that. Um, mm. And so that is an inspirational part. I also just love, you know, thrifting and that because it's more sustainable. Um, and so a lot of my clothes and, and like my, you know, fashion style comes from just 
buying used clothes and trying to make something fit out of it. And, and I try to just dress how I want and present myself how, however I want. A lot of times I'll definitely be the most like out there person in the room, maybe, but uh, th I mean, there have been those times, but I think when you're like able to, to like find something that you like and then authentically express it in yourself, it really only frees up other people to do the same. Um, mm. And so that's what I'm, I, I just, I like myself now. So I'm, I just do my thing. Yeah. And, and you're not doing it ironically. You're doing it because you love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey of just like finding like a way of expressing myself that that feels comfortable and feels natural and feels uh, feels authentically me. And I love the music from that from that time period. I'm like so heavily inspired by by artists like Stevie Nicks and Janis Joplin and the Beatles and um, the um, like Fleetwood Mac. I already I already said Stevie Nicks, but um, yeah, I, I just have a heavy influence from that from that era in general. And so that makes up a good bit of my aesthetic, I guess. Yeah, and what's really cool about the people you mentioned is that they didn't have a long list of people that they were inspired by. You know, mm -hmm. we, can, like, we can rattle off a list of, of the people that you really are, are talking about. And the list goes on, Emmylou Harris and Stevie Nicks and, right, amazing, amazing. I met her. Did you I meet Emmylou? Yeah, I actually got to, she came to my university for a, um, a songwriting uh, just thing. And I got to do like a master class with her and, uh, and present a song for her. And that was really cool. How cool was she? She was so cool. Um, and, uh, you know, she didn't really, it wasn't like a master class and like she like tore apart my song and like gave, like, you need to do it this way. Like, let me teach you how to write a song, but more like I just presented her a song and and then she like asked me questions about it. And she said that it was like unique and uh, encouraged me to keep going. And so it was, it was really neat. And you must've been a, obviously a fan. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, Dolly and Emmylou and Linda Ronset, it's just very, very inspirational. I'm definitely not trying to like copy like any, I, I, anyone's one, any one person's style. You know, I, I, I try to, just let it influence me and, and I'm a mix of a lot of different people and a lot of different things. And I think everyone is really, you know, we, we're, I think everyone has a story of a, a person that, that influenced them in some way or another. And whether that's the way they choose to physically and externally present themselves based on that, you know, like depends on the person, but yeah, it definitely affects my style. When you started developing your style and the song started to come out, um, at what point do you feel the the aesthetic and the direction of the music started to align, or was that fairly immediate? So, um, you know, when I when I started record, I actually recorded the album in house. This is my recording studio that we're in right now, and. Uh, I have we have plugins. It's me and my partner that uh, record together, and we have some plugins for Logic that actually imitate the Abbey Road Studio uh, desk. And so, you know, I, the Beatles, Paul McCartney particularly, um, is he is like songwriting god to me. Um, 
absolutely adore him and one of my one of my biggest influences musically and so you know I there's something timeless about that about that sound and about that like recording style so I, I we were trying to really imitate that in this album particularly so that came uh, that that was something that was developed as I as I had the means and the technology to recreate that um, but it, it's developed also you know certain aesthetics um, that that come into music are, are just going to be like I said before talking about like physical style but just reflections of what you're hearing even if it's not conscious like the music that I listen to I, I, there are certain songs on this album I can go back and I can point to what I was listening to when I wrote that song and I'm one of those I'm one of those weird people that I get on like song kicks and I will wear a song into the ground I will listen to it until I never want to hear it again at just like on repeat like uh today at work uh I listened what song what song was it um uh uh begging begging you oh, yeah I've listened to that song probably 50 times today. Frankie Valley. um yeah it's great yeah. it's so great um so I can point to, to certain songs that uh, subconsciously just kind of influenced my ear at the time. And, and I think you can, you can pick that up in, in certain tracks, if you, if you know. I know what you mean about that sort of like, hit the repeat button, hit the repeat button, because you find a piece of music that rings your bell and mm -hmm. gives you that sort of manic pop thrill. Yeah. And there's a there's a couple reasons why I think we do that. Like one, we keep hitting repeat because we want to keep being thrilled because it feels yeah. great, right? Absolutely. Then number two, we want to kind of apprehend it, like sort of like see if we can catch what it is that's making us right. And then there's that third element, which is I don't want to wear it out because then if I if I wear it out, it, it's where where does it go? Because then it brings up other question of like well, where did it go if, if it's right. no longer there. Right. Um, so I know what you mean. So do you do you regulate? how many times you'll listen to it or will you wear it out? Um, I, I have like a playlist that I'll, I'll kind of shift to, to, to try to, cause I don't want to hate the song. You know, right. I, I, I think I was being a little humorous and hyperbolic when I said like, I never want to listen, I, right. I wear it to the ground. Um, so definitely don't want to get to that point literally. Um, but I, I'll listen to it over and over again. Cause I, I really want to absorb just the, the details that are that are in in a song I, I i have apple music instead of spotify because um this is not a plug i'm not i'm not sponsored everybody um, they're not paying either of us they're not paying either of us um <laughs> but they have the lyrics on the screen as you're playing like for every song on on apple music so i'll, I'll listen to it i i want to absorb i want to know what the artist is saying i want to i want to understand all the different layers harmonically that are happening i want to I, I want to notice, you know, oh, this time I, I'm, I'm paying attention to, you know, the guitar part or, or the, the strings in the background or the, the vocal harmony. And, and I, I just want to absorb it all I can, you know. When you love a song and you either you play it to death or whatever happens and it's and then you no longer feel that way. It's like losing attraction for another yeah. person that was once there. It's a very weird feeling. It is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I ever fully like lose the love for it. It, it doesn't like scratch the like little brain itch like it, it did at the beginning. Right. But um, 
uh, if I'm listening to it the way that I'm, I'm describing where it's like over and over again, there's always going to be like a little special place in my heart for, for that tune. Yeah, it's also very strange to think about like why that song, but not another song. Like why right. is the magic there and not there? Right. Yeah. That's, right. I definitely. Um, and, you know, this is just going back to like music, being able to express that thing that is not able to be verbalized. Like, I don't know, it's magic there. You know, I'm sure maybe there's like some some science behind like the waves of your brain and the vibrations and like who like I don't know maybe maybe it's vibrating at the frequency that your body needs to absorb right if we're getting like literal and scientific with it but you know I'm not a scientist I just make music and <laughs> good it has good vibes so you know I'm listening to it over and over again how do you feel about you know everything about to happen your music about to be you know out there into the world. Is that terrifying for you? Or is it also, is it just exciting or is it both? Both. Yeah. Um, and, and I would also say like strange um, is it another word. You know, I've, this is really awesome that you're like asking me all these questions and talking to me about my music. And I'm like, wow, someone is like interested in this. That's pretty neat, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, uh, a little foreign to me still at the at this point. Um, so just kind of getting used to that and trying not to let it go to my head. Um, and also terrifying because it's, uh, you know, this is a very vulnerable album. Um, and a lot of my music is, it's personal. I'm not writing about, you know, something not like, it's very obviously personal. And I, I'm open about how, how it, personal it is to my life. And so it's, it's scary. But I think vulnerability is um i think we're afraid to be vulnerable because we're afraid that someone you know we're you know we're taking off our armor i'm i'm showing you who i am and i'm afraid we are afraid because people don't want to get hurt in that vulnerable moment but a lot of times i've found at least when i'm able to be vulnerable like that it, it's like a superpower and it 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 allows other people to to see what I'm feeling and understand what I'm feeling. It helps, I hope, them understand how they're feeling. Like, I, I just want to be truthful and honest. And, and you know, the uh, being the opposite and just not, if I'm not honest with other people about how I'm feeling and like sharing myself that way, then it's going to be harder for me to be honest with myself, you know, and, and so, I just try to be vulnerable when I can. It's scary, but it's also empowering. And you've been very open about what you've been dealing with in your life, just emotionally and and um, on a really personal level. And I can't tell you how valuable I think that is for everybody to hear. Um, can you, Can you talk a little bit about your decision to be so open um, in that regard? Yeah. Um, and it kind of goes back to to what I said uh, just a moment ago, you know, when I'm I wasn't always like I wasn't always open about this. I wasn't always even aware of my own like depression and anxiety. Um, and there's a, a part of my life where I, my my genuine like feelings were really just suppressed. And and, and so as I became aware of of how 
how I was feeling and, and then started working on healing, it just became easier to talk about it. And, and I think in my lifetime, uh, we've seen in the world a lot of progress in terms of like destigmatizing mental illness. Um, and I think, so that plays a role into it. I, I, I want it to be norm, normal to talk about. But at the same time, I think the work doesn't end there. And I think that's what where a lot of people stop is they're like, oh, you know, we want to destigmatize it. We want to like normalize, but also like, why? Like, you know, what, why is our society, why do we have so many people that are, are suffering like this? I, I want to destigmatize it, but I also want to be open about it because, uh, you know, I think there's something deeper societally that plays an influence into all of that. And, and so I, I just want to, hopefully prompt some questions and and be honest with myself. How old were you when you first were able to put a label on what you were dealing with and, and finally understand like, oh, it actually has a name? Yeah, right? yeah. So I think it was probably my freshman year of college um, okay. when when it really hit me. And, and you know, then I'll, I'll look back at like old diary entries and stuff like that. And like, oh, wow, I, like little Ashley was angsty. Uh, like, how did I not, <laughs> how did I not see this sooner? Um, but freshman year of college, um, it became really clear and the anxiety really manifested. And so I started going to therapy. Uh, I went through about four different therapists before I, I actually found one that was actually helpful. The first therapist I went to told me to give my anxiety to God. Um, oh. And that worked so well. Um, Wrong therapist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it took a while, but I, I, I'm very lucky and I'm very privileged. Uh, I won't say lucky because it's not just like a random thing. I, I have a, a certain amount of privilege that I have access to, to the proper care that I needed um, to heal and deal with my mental illness because uh, it's I have three <laughs> I have generalized anxiety disorder major depressive disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder and so when it when it got bad it was bad I used to have um I used to have panic attacks where I would like scream like and like not like it like convulsing like really 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 bad panic attacks um one time someone called the police because I thought I was getting murdered um like wow. It, it there was a really dark period in there and so i i done a lot of work on myself to heal and to um be able to to manage the anxiety that i feel um to be able to understand my emotions and ex do my best to like channel them and express them um i'm kind of losing my train of thought uh but yeah it 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 was bad and now it's it it's taken work and I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting better. There's a really instructive um, moment there with what you just said um, in terms of the therapist who, who told you to, you know, go give it to God or whatever they said. Right. Um, and you said you'd been through a couple. Can you talk a little bit about the advocacy that you had for yourself where you went, okay, this isn't the right therapist nor is this one and this one probably isn't either how did you make those decisions well um you know after after the the first one i i i realized that that wasn't 
really, I, I wasn't getting better, you know? Mm. Um, and so, and I don't, you know, despite like it being, it's not in my control, but I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to be anxious. I, I, I want to be healthy and happy and, and I want to heal myself. And so, um, you know, I wasn't getting better. So it's just like, okay, what's next? What, like, there's gotta be something for this. Um, so I, I would go to the next one. Um, and then, you know, eventually I, I'm actually also really lucky that some of them were like, I can't help you, you know, uh, like I, I, your problems are bigger than, than what I'm able to understand. Let me, let me give you someone special that handles this kind of trauma. And so eventually I, I got the therapist I ended up with that was the most helpful to me in my, that really, uh, saved my life, honestly. Um, it, like, it was a recommendation from a therapist that wasn't working out. They were like, you know, this is what, you, this is, this is what you need. I'm not qualified to do this. And the train of thought that I, I lost, the point that I was trying to get to earlier, but I, I kind of rambled around it. Um, I am very privileged that I have access to um, to go to therapy. I had therapists through my college university. I have insurance that I was able to do that. And that is, I think that it, that has, the fact that that's not available to everyone. Um, and even if you have insurance, you know, it costs the co-payments. It, those barriers to treatment that's of course a huge part of like why there are so many hurting people in our society you know even if they're not able to to put a diagnosis or a name on on the pain that they're feeling some people might not even be aware of it and it manifests in in other uh other ways but it, it i'm very lucky that i was able to get the help that i did because i wouldn't be talking to you today if i didn't and so it's it's just a shame that it's not more available. Yeah, and it's also, it, you're right about that. Where did you go to school, by the way? Where was college? I went to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. So that's a large school, right? Uh, yeah, about mid-size. I think um, uh, like 30,000 people. Yeah, that's fairly big. So I, I teach college for a living, and our school is about 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that in terms of um, support, um, you know, there we have a counseling center and, you know, they can handle the flow of students because it's so small. I was right. trying to figure out how would a larger school do it because, because it really is a very common thing. And I think that um, I wonder how the flow is, is handled in a larger school, but it sounds like the support system was there in the, in the university. Yeah, I, I kind of, I ended up getting <laughs> passed around until they were like, okay, let's, let's, let's find somebody else for you. And, and I'm really grateful for it because I ended up in, in really good hands. And um, yeah, I, I went to weekly therapy with, with that therapist for, for, I guess it's been five years now. Um, so uh, I'm just incredibly grateful and, and lucky to, to have that access. Right on the tip of my tongue, but it's just out of reach when the morning comes. I was dreaming.
when you feel those triggers, when those things happen that you wouldn't have been able to have named or labeled 10 years ago, um, mm -hmm. uh, you can, is the coping, are the coping strategies um, ones that are really effective for you now? They work. Yeah, I would say so. And you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect with it. Um, there's, I'm even, even still 2021, Ashley, there, there are still a whole laundry list of things that I want to improve on myself. Like I, I'm constantly, you know, tr aiming towards personal growth. Um, but I did the type of therapy I did was called um, DBT dialectical behavior therapy. Um, and so it's really skills based um, in terms like building the reason I was, you know, having these panic attacks and, and doing so poorly is because I was hurting and I didn't have the coping mechanisms that were going to help me, um, that were going to actually solve the problems that I was having. And so, you know, it, it's all still there, you know, all of the the little monsters in my brain are, are still having a little party sometimes, but now instead of, you know, listening to them, I, I have skills that that can help me work through it are you pretty good at also avoiding things that would be triggers like for example like maybe something like alcohol maybe you go eh, maybe that's not the best thing to do or yeah I don't I, I stay away from alcohol um in general uh you know I, I don't think I've been drunk in in like a number of years uh, I, I don't I don't drink enough for that to happen. And that's also my, uh, like my mental illness, people don't realize how physical it can be sometimes. I also, because of all of the anxiety and, and depression, I, um, I have a disorder called gastroparesis, which is um, delayed gastric emptying. My stomach doesn't, I don't digest food. When I'm like anxious and really, really sad, um, I can't eat. <laughs> like literally like my stomach stops working. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, I don't think people realize how connected those, those, those two things are. Um, so, you know, talking about avoiding, uh, it's not, part of healing is not just avoiding triggers. It's learning how to manage them because I can like run away from what's gonna, um, what's gonna make me feel anxious and sad, or I can learn and, and work my brain to, to not feel that way, you know? And that's not perfect. It's not, I'm never gonna be able to just completely never be anxious anymore. But you know, if you can develop certain skills to, to work through it rather than just avoiding it all the time, because that's not, that's not the answer either. And I think in some ways that makes things worse. Right, because you're dodging it rather than dealing with it. Right, right. And that's not that's not healing. That's just uh, limping, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. In terms of the art that you take in, the movies you watch, the television shows that you watch, the music you listen to, um, I was noticing during the pandemic, it took me a little while to figure it out, but I found that I was really attracted to Velocity. So the music I was listening to was louder and faster um, mm. and and less tragic. It was more like I was looking for exhilaration. I, did, I didn't even realize I was that I was drawn to that, but I really was. Mm. Um, 
because I tend, I, I always tend to sort of, I like introspective things. And I noticed in the last year and a half or so, it was like, give me some pace. I need some pace. Um, Have you thought about, is there a through line with the art that you like? Do you like stuff that is more, uh, you know, upbeat or do you like to go down the Nick Drake Avenue? (laughs) I I, I don't mind. Um, I, I definitely enjoy, uh, you know, works of, of film or, or television or just art in general that uh, that ex- that talks about heavy subjects. I'm not going to like run away from that. But there's a there's a a certain amount of intake that you can do of that that's healthy. It's it's got to be kind of regulated. Um, you know, art can serve different purposes. It can be something that makes you feel and understand someone else's experience. Yeah. Uh, it can serve to alleviate your stress and just like make you laugh uh and so just kind of being aware of of how you're feeling and and what you should be consuming i think helps with that and you know talking about i'm always trying to be conscious of my consumption and i think that's a huge 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 problem in our society right now it's just the constant constant consumption um you know, it, it, it borderlines disassociation, um, mm-hmm. just like doom scrolling and, and, you know, not dealing with you're, you're not mindful. You're not being with yourself. You're, you're consuming all of the time and never having any kind of original thoughts and, and avoiding your thoughts. And, and that's really dangerous. Um, and so I can't like binge watch really, uh, at a certain point, uh, it, it makes me feel so bad. I think social media is as addictive and bad for you as drugs, like honestly and truly. Um, and so moderation, moderation, yeah. moderation, moderation. I have all of my um, notifications turned off on my phone. I don't get any any pings for that because it it's a dopamine hit. It is like- It is. It's a, it's, it's a drug, it really is. and. Um, I, I kind of veered away from what we were talking about with TV, but just in on the constant consumption bit, uh, moderation is really important. Well, I want to show you something because I think you'll appreciate this. Yeah. This, this is the phone I use. <gasps> oh my gosh. That's I get so, so much. Awesome. I, you know how much I get? I'm showing her my, my flip phone. <laughs> I, you'll appreciate it, but like I get made fun of for having this my friend uh i have a friend named greg who also pulled the trigger and finally went back to a flip phone and i am so so tempted to do that my phone broke in october okay i was this close to getting a flip phone um but the verizon store that i went to literally didn't even have any and i know i'm verizon too they don't have them anymore i know i know Uh, the only thing that would really hang me up though is uh is i am so so reliant on gps oh my god i don't know how to get anywhere without that thing um so i I, you know i i haven't gone to the full extreme of of literally getting rid of it but uh just trying to set those limits for myself i don't have my notifications on i try to monitor how much i'm consuming i try to I, i I know I feel better when I do mindful activities um, that are going to keep me present in my body and in my brain. Um, and sure, the 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 scrolling and the the investing in another reality via television and uh, film 
it'll it'll give you that that dopamine but it, it's i don't think it's sustainable in the way that no. you know being mindful in your body is because you know the show's going to end eventually um you know eventually social media is not all you're not always going to get that validation that you are, are seeking through that so i always feel better when i'm doing something physical and present so i, I really enjoy like i said like songwriting obviously but I have a lot of little hobbies like crocheting and um, painting and drawing and I'm like terrible at watercolors but I, I like bring I literally have like a watercolor kit that I bring in my purse and, and so you know if I'm out somewhere listening to music rather than you know just if the conversation is low rather than you know, getting on my phone, uh, I'll just have some watercolors at the table and I'll just be just doing something to, to engage me here because I feel so much better that way. Yeah. Do you, do you feel a kind of, you know, social media is a beast you have to feed for your musical career? Oh, yes. I literally wouldn't be on it at all if it was not for my musical career. And it's, it's, it's a shame. It, like, honestly, my goals are to like, it would be so great if I could just get to a level of success where someone else does that for I me. Know. And I, like, I don't, know. I, that would be wonderful. I would adore that because it is a beast. Uh, and um, it, it, I, I can sense myself feeling anxious. Like today, even, I had to post, uh, I, I released a music video today. And um, so I, I made a post about it. There was an article that, that was uh, posted about it. And it was so, so tempting to like check. Oh, like, did anybody, like how many likes, uh, like, oh, somebody shared it. Like, and I, I it gave me a, it literally gave me a stomach ache. Like it, it, it doesn't feel good. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on it. I, I don't think if I, or at least I wouldn't be as active on it as I, I am right now. I think there's a certain level of engagement that's required because it's just how our day and age is, um, but it's it's ultimately really, really unfulfilling. I know. I wouldn't be on it either if it wasn't for the podcast. And it's interesting. I've mentioned this before, but a friend of mine was a professional juggler. Yeah. And he was in the airport once and he was juggling like 14 tennis balls on the ground, not even in the air. He was just balancing them 14 balls, which is incredible. Wow. And he said, this kid said to him, how many can you, how many, what's your record? How many balls can you do? And my friend said to him, 14 is not enough. <laughs> like right. how, many more do you, how many more do you need to be impressed? Right. And I right. think about social media in the same way where it's sort of like you post this lovely video of an amazing song and it's like social media sets you up to feel that if, that there's a certain number that would be a letdown, Right. right. Right, like the, I'm I'm trying to get to a point where I don't require an audience, you know, right. like, it, just doing it for the sake of creating and for the sake, like I, I make music and I make art because it makes me feel a little less dead inside. It makes me have a reason to, to be doing something. It it helps me process the the thoughts that I'm feeling and, and I share it because other people were like oh this is good you should like I like this and, and so I share it with people and I I enjoy it so you know it would be great to have a career doing this um but it, it's 
it's something that I do for myself at the end of the day, mm. or at least that's the mindset I, I'm trying to instill in my my noggin that that it's 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 for me. And you're right about the numbers thing. Um, you know, I have I think somewhere around two thousand five hundred monthly listeners right now on this Spotify. Is great. Which is amazing. Yeah. But like, you know, some people might like, oh, you know that like that's not impressive, you know, 10,000, that's not viral, that's not what I, like, but I, I literally sat down when I, when I got to that number, because I, I hit, like, a, I got put on a playlist that had a bunch of, of monthly listeners, or a bunch of, of streams, I think there was, like, 30,000 people following one particular playlist that my music got put on, and so I think that's what kind of put it up there, and, it's like wow this is this is crazy this is a lot of people but I, I wanted more it's that dopamine hit you, I know. you want more you want more and so I, I sat down and I, I pulled up a, a picture I, I googled what does 3,000 people look like uh, and just look looked at that and it was like wow okay being able to conceptualize it outside of a number is amazing you know if I I, I can't imagine what it would be like to like literally stand before that many people like it that's that's amazing you yes, know it is it, two two thousand people is literally like an an opera house with like two balconies that that's how many people we're talking about and so i i'm i'm grateful uh, i'm i'm trying not to to get caught up in the numbers game because it's it's cyclical there you're always going to want more you're always going to want more you're always going to want more. And if you think about it, like 2000, I mean, I don't know 2000 people. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's like, you know, that's like 1900 people more than I know. <laughs> it's incredible. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a kind of pressure where it feels like, oh, did that land only 150 people liked? And it's like, that's a lot of people. And you can't really, I, I went on a date a couple of years ago with this woman who was a DJ. She was like a, like a club DJ. Yeah. And she had a SoundCloud page and I was looking at her page because she sent me the link and I said, wow, her, her sets have thousands of listens. And mm -hmm. I said to her, hey, I'm really impressed. This is before, this is right when I started the podcast. And I said, you know, I didn't have that many listens then. And I said to her, your numbers are incredible on SoundCloud. And she said to me, well, no, no, I actually bought those because I didn't want people to look at my page and think I didn't have impressive numbers. And I went, that sucks on so many different levels. I don't even know where to begin. I'd rather have 20 people who love the show than to buy 2000 fraudulent. Like, I don't yeah. see the purpose of that. That's, that's all for the way the public perception of you, you're managing yeah. that. That's, that doesn't seem honest to me at all. It's awful. No. Yeah. And that's like a shame that like people like feel the need to do that. And it's just a evidence of you know, this horrible machine that we've created. Um, I know. Really, and it's, it's, it's perfect because, you know, who cares about oppression when you can watch, you have entertainment all the time. Like it, it keeps us nice and docile and, and uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a horrible little machine that we've created. And, and you were talking about, uh, you know, buying the numbers. I mean, it's crazy the the amount of, you know, as I'm I'm getting into this, uh, this is my first debut album, right? Um, I crowdfunded to to be able to afford 
um, all of the costs associated with it. But you know, as I'm entering into this industry as a professional, it's crazy to me the amount of money that it takes to be doing this. I raised yeah. five. I raised five thousand dollars, and um, you know, I, I'm so lucky that I have like a network of a community of people that believe in what I'm doing to to pre-order the album and, and give me the the money needed to to make it um, to 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 literally make the thing. Um, but you know, I, I I hired a publicist, and he's been wonderful. And uh, you know, I I put mark. There's like marketing dollars. I don't think people realize all of the money and the work that happens behind the scenes, and people aren't transparent about it, and it makes people feel like crap because they're like, oh, well, why doesn't my thing have? Why why is uh, I'm realizing that when you see a talented person on the cover of this magazine. They're not just on the cover of that magazine because they're talented. They're talented. Don't get me wrong. They're talented and they had the they they got in front of the right person. And sometimes there's a paywall to get there. Sometimes it it costs money to get put in front of the right people. And oh yeah. It it's people don't talk about it and so you it's like they want to keep up this mystery and magic of of, you know, oh, it, it just you know, I, I got discovered or, but like, no, there, there's a whole system behind it that we don't talk about. Are you in terms of stepping into the real world onto a stage in front of a real live crowd? Mm -hmm. um, is that scary for you or is that okay? Is that a comfortable place? It's comfortable. It's okay. so, it, but here's the caveat. It's once I'm there, once I'm standing there in front of the mic, the show starts, I am like in my element. I feel amazing. Every second leading up to that moment is horrible. So really? terrible. Just so, I get so anxious leading up to the like, it's like, did I remember the quarter inch cables? Uh, and like, maybe I will, did I leave this? Like, I have like a whole checklist and I'm, I almost get like paralyzed leading up leading up to the, the, the performance part of, of just, I just want to get there and do it. And then once I'm there, I feel amazing. And, and, and it's, it's really wonderful to be able to, to make music for people. It, it's, it's my, it's my comfort place. So when you're on the stage, it reminds me, I have, I have this really bizarre fear of sharks, but when I, when I get into the ocean, it's gone. Right. But little, like talking about it to you right now freaks me out. But when I'm in the water, gone. So when mm -hmm. you are, when you get on stage, does all that anxiety melt? It just go, it just vanishes. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, you know, that's for what I don't like. I don't know what it is for whatever reason. It. I just feel like I can. I can be myself. I can. I. I can trust in myself. I've worked really hard to to believe in, in what I'm doing. And, and if I can get to a place where I can trust my preparation, if I can just show people myself, it, I, I usually get a positive response, you know? And so I just keep chasing that and it, it hasn't done me wrong so far. <laughs> How are you with, in terms of photo shoots, are those are those uncomfortable? Are those? I mean, you are they weird? Are they still kind of a... so weird? So weird. Um, I'm. I try really to work 
with people in general, you know, with whether it's a photographer, a videographer, my bandmates, the, like the musicians I collaborate with, uh, I'm really only interested in making music with a community of people. I'm really only interested in making art and collaborating and doing those things with with my friends, you know? Uh, and I'm, I'm so lucky that I have cre like creative people around. And, and honestly, most people do. If you just look around, you know, what, what, how can we support each other? You know, I, I have a good friend who is, his name's Alexi, um, and he directed my music video. And, you know, the two of us, like it was, that was a mutually beneficial project because he really wants to be a videographer and I'm, I'm an, a, an independent musician. And so, you know, we, we collaborated on that together and it's so weird, like performing for a camera, um, but it's my friend behind the camera. And, and so, even though it's weird and scary, I, I have that, that comfort person to make it a little less weird. And, you know, I'm making music with my friends and it's a, it's a, it's a nice, wonderful process because it's, it's vulnerable, whether you're performing and for a video or, or posing for a picture or, or making, making music, what, whatever it is you're doing, it, it's, it's vulnerable. And so it's, better when it's with people that you like and care about and that care about you. How critical are you when, let's say you do a photo shoot mm -hmm. and, cause you look incredibly comfortable in front of the camera. I mean, I, and you're, I, I can't take a good picture to it, it. There's nothing I can do to take a good picture. You have no problem taking good pictures. You seem very comfortable and you seem, you seem very at ease. When the pictures come back, how critical are you of the results though, from, from your own end? Um, pretty, like pretty critical. Like, I think, you know, we have taught, like just been conditioned to be, everyone has been conditioned to, to be really critical. Um, I think there's like a, a certain standard of beauty that everyone like is taught to aspire towards that is really unachievable. Um, and so, I am critical of myself, nonetheless. I mean, you're telling me that I, I look flawless in every picture and that's like, oh, wow, thank you. But <laughs> I feel so weird looking at myself sometimes. Um, and and I, it's, it's, I don't know, having a physical body is weird, you know, like looking at your yourself, it's, I keep going back to this word vulnerable, it's, it's vulnerable. And I, I am really critical of myself, but again, that's where I lean on other people, you know, I, if I can get to a place where I'm observing my thoughts, you know, mm. even if they are critical, even if they're going, oh my God, like my face looks so weird in there. Oh my gosh, if you zoom in, there's a zit. Like I can, <laughs> I, oh, oh my gosh, I wonder if anyone notices that. Like, does this face look stupid? Like, am I, do I look like I'm trying too hard? Like those, those are all thoughts that I have, you know, like I'm like everybody else does, I'm sure. But if I can get to a place where at least I can observe and notice that those thoughts are happening, even though I'm being critical, I can go, Hey, why, no, why are you talking to yourself like that? You know, like, why are you having those thoughts? Where does that come from? Whose voice is that in your head? Is that your voice or is it somebody else's? And so I, I lean on the people around me to, to validate. Um, and that it's a fine line, you know, leaning on other people for validation, but then also finding that validation within yourself. Um, yeah. And, and so that's, that's something I'm, I'm working on definitely is is finding that 
self-motivation, um, self-validation, not motivation. Um, and the pandemic really shined a, shone, shone a light on that. Is that the right word? Um, <laughs> the pandemic really shone a light on, on, on that, that, you know, I, there was a point where I was really, 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 really reliant on external validation. And then suddenly I'm alone all the time for like a year and I don't, I don't have any performance opportunities and performing for a computer or a camera or a live stream is like absolutely soul crushing. And, and so, you know, I'm not getting that external validation that was sustaining me and, and it was really hard and I had to figure out how to, you know, trust myself and not give a shit. Can I say yeah. shit? You um, can. You can say it twice. Shit. Um, <laughs> uh, and not care about what other people think because you know it you, you just have to trust in yourself and so that's where i'm at right now is working on that self-motivation instead of that external yeah and it's interesting because when I, I for my second book we were doing a very very low budget photo shoot for an author photo it's all we wanted was an author photo and we couldn't get one that i thought was like that didn't look like i look so aware that you're taking a picture Right. right. It's like this, this looks stupid. I said, take a picture of me when I don't even know you're taking a picture of me. Like when I we're hanging out. Handed photos. Uh, yeah. I'm posing. I have always, if you look at pictures of me as a child, I am like never smiling. Right. I'm always like, or like, <laughs> or just like making some weird face. And then, you know, my parents are like, Ashley smile, like smile nice. And then I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I hate posing. I, I can't. I, I feel you there. I always appreciate a, a candid photo. Yeah. Something that's posed. You mentioned that, that there's a soul crushing element. You mentioned during the live streams, those are soul yeah. crushing. Is yeah. it soul crushing because suddenly you, you are now a slave to technology? You're looking at the scroll, you're seeing yeah. what people are saying, and you're like, oh no, it puts you in a place you don't really want to be. Yeah, exactly. It, it's making, I like going back to the numbers thing. I, I'm just seeing numbers. I'm just seeing yeah. heart reacts uh, and like thumbs ups, you know, it, it it's not tangible. It, it You are like a slave to technology. And, and so, yeah, it, it puts me in a mental place that I don't want to be. It, yeah. I really don't enjoy being there. So, you know, when the pandemic started, I think I did like five or some five or so live streams, a bunch of different venues in the area. Um, if your gig was canceled, they would like let you log into their social and like live stream through their platform to to like do a couple gigs. And so I, I did about five of those with with various places that I would perform at. And eventually I just was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, uh, like I'm not I don't enjoy this. I, I, I need there to be people, you know, it's I understand that. I get that. I totally get that. It seems so um, antiseptic because it's sort of like there's there's no immediate, you know, sort of like in-person transaction of watching the music hit the people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, you know, that human element is what's important. That human element, you know, I don't know, talk going back to science, like, I don't know if it's like the vibrations or, or just like the, the, the connection, the the understanding of like another conscious being in front of you, it, yeah. you can't you can't get that with this at no. all. Uh, and 
and it it's trying its best to to create something that is just not replicable replicatable in, in that way so it feels really empty but it gives you that little dopamine hit so you I keep know. doing it even though it's making you feel bad you just keep doing it and it's it's scary because here here's the dilemma is that if you buy into the positive stuff you also have to buy into the negative stuff right because it's all it's all kind of coming from the same place you can't just say i'll only take the the positive things and so i kind of feel that it's like it's best to be avoided but it is a necessary evil for your profession unfortunately yeah. um i think you know selfishly i want to talk to you because i'm crazy about what you're doing i think your i think your music is phenomenal I think that you you remind me of someone who's just like out of the box, ready to go. I mean, it's like you have an aesthetic and you have a sound, you have a voice and a presence and um, you're like fully formed. Like here you are and it's awesome. It's so great. And also I feel like selfishly, um, I think you're gonna become very well known and this Aww. is one of your first conversations. And so I could I talked to her before you knew about her. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, uh... And going back to what your early question about like how it feels to like put your music out there and, and do this, it, like it's I'm I'm trying to learn to like take that compliment and and like wow thank you like that is really really sweet um, and it, it's really wonderful to to have people interested in what I'm doing and I I'm just at the end of the day trying to to be as authentically myself and. Uh, it, it feels good that other people seem to enjoy that. Well, and I think a lot of people are going to be enjoying it. Um, will you um, will you come back on the show in the uh, in the future? Sure, absolutely. This is this was so much fun. It, I this is my first time chatting with you, but you know, it, you're you're a wonderful conversationalist, and so absolutely, this was awesome. Virginia. She's so awesome. And you know, this is the beginning. You're hearing it in real time, but this is the beginning of what is surely going to be an exciting, a fruitful, a dynamic, and really ultimately a stellar career. She is a singular talent. There's nobody like her. She's just, I'm crazy about her. And her album is brilliant. AshleyVirginiaMusic.com is where you need to go to find out how to find out about all you need to know about Ashley Virginia. It's like a link tree kind of situation. There's all the places you can go. YouTube, Bandcamp, it's all there. So uh, go there and, uh, and soak it all in and climb on board the Ashley Virginia train. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. There's a lot. Um, I, you know, there's a lot. I'm not trying to be secretive and, uh, and you know, and, and sort of tease you with information. But there's some stuff going on, which I will share uh, as soon as I'm able. I'm sort of able to right now, but, uh, but we'll wait. 
until it's more fully formed and uh, and and more exciting. Right now, it's it's exciting in the sense that there's a cake in the oven, and you pull it out, and you you stick a toothpick in, and you're like, I definitely should not be eating that. That still looks raw, but there is a cake in the oven. So uh, that's that's what I'm going to say to you right now. Nothing to eat yet, but there will be cake. <laughs> in terms of news of my life, that's all I can give you. Just trust me; uh, it's going to be worth it. Uh, when you uh, when you hear what's going on now, I'm making it sound bigger than it is. I mean, really, it's not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal, but not that big of a deal, but kind of. Oh, for God's sakes. Let's just go with the cake thing. Uh, bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. We are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You guessed it. 365 days a year. We do more if there were more. You can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast. Or you can email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Let's close the show. And by the way, I, I should tell you this. I know that you know. But Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use. Subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell a stranger. <laughs> tell everyone you know and everyone you don't know about our podcast. We would appreciate it. And if you don't mind, leave us a rating, a couple of stars, maybe a nice comment or two. We really do appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening week in and week out. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Apathy Blues by Ashley Virginia. Enjoy it. And I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Are you under the assumption while surrounded by dysfunction that this is the best it can be? By relinquishing our power, we have basically allowed the corruption of society. You caught the apathy blues, you took one look at the news, and you learned to get used to what you see. Yes, they are counting on you to not care what they do. So pay attention if you want to be free. Attention if you want to